I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to the Featured Anime Podcast. I'm your host, Jack. And I'm Rick. And today we are talking about Castle in the Sky, which was a uh, collaborative choice between Rick and I and... uh, because, you know, why not? We wanted to watch another uh, Studio Ghibli. Um, but before that, we were talking about uh, major life changes happening, just generally having a good time, talking about food and, and you know, just a whole slew of other stuff. If you want to catch a part of that water conversation, you could go to patreon.com slash featured anime podcast. A dollar a month will get you access to that bonus content. Or you can always join us live at twitch.tv slash featured anime podcast. Uh, and, you know, be happy to have you join us live and we'll be happy to talk and interact with you and everything like that while we're doing it uh, and phrasing. Um, and uh, <laughs> threw myself off right there. Oh my God. Phrasing. Uh, <laughs> phrasing. Uh, of course, we have affiliate links and everything like that for you in the show notes. As well, and you can always reach out to us and let us know about everything, uh, how we're doing and everything like that. It'd be very much appreciated. All that information is available on featuredanimepodcast.com as well as all our social links and everything like that. Join us at our Discord. Be happy to have you in there and hang out with us as well. And now on to the uh, meat and brotatoes. Uh Castle in the Sky uh, is a movie, and it's the first official, official Studio Ghibli. It is an original, and it aired August 1986. Uh, producer for it is uh, Tokuama Shoten and Streamline Pictures, just for a couple of them. The genres for it are action, adventure, fantasy, romance, sci-fi, and it ran for two hours, four minutes. Uh, Castle in the Sky takes place in an alternate reality of earth. And we know that it takes place during that time frame uh, because of certain uh, earth or world events that have happened during that time frame. We also know that it also takes place during um, uh, gosh, what's his name? I'm lost. Who, who are we talking about? I, I, I had my notes pulled up and I totally blanked on everything. Holy smokes. Oh. <laughs> I'm like, give me the context. Um, Jules Verne. I can, I can guess. There we go. Jules oh, Verne. Okay. It takes place during the time frame of Jules Verne, Verne which is, uh, which was also a, uh, kind of like an inspiration for Miyazaki for when he was writing this movie, he, uh, or writing the script for this. Cause he had a lot of inspiration from Jules Verne. So the time frame for it also takes place during then. Uh, but basically, in a world that is filled with like airships, uh, you have a young girl named Sheeta and who's been kidnapped by the government and she ha- holds a crystal amulet around her neck most of the time. And she's also being chased by pirates at the exact same time who want it. And they, the reason why they want it is because they are trying to go to this world called Laputa, 
Lapusia? Yeah, Lapusia. Lapusia? Or, uh, lab. Yeah. Yeah. I, anyways, <laughs> uh, Lapusia. <laughs> uh, but the only way to get, or, or what Lapusia is, is it's a flying castle, flying fabled castle from uh, centuries long past where people used to live on these islands up in the sky. And this is their journey to one evade the pirates and the government while also trying to reach this land and the events that are ensuing it, as well as the events that result of them being on there at the exact same time. Um, I want to say honestly, real quick, uh, that this is the first indeed true first studio Ghibli movie. While Nausicaa of the Valley was the first Miyazaki film, this was actually a Studio Ghibli film. And it also featured Totoro before the Totoro movie uh, actually came out, believe it or not. Really? Yes. So so that intro for it was actually was actually normal. Um, also, a couple of things to kind of really let you know about the differences between because I watched it dubbed. dubbed. I did not watch it yep. subbed. Okay. There are I some differences the in between. There are, there are some differences in between the English version, the, the English dub version, which was done by Disney. It was brought over and, and done by Disney versus the original. Uh, a couple uh, one of the things is they actually added more dialogue for the background characters in it. A lot of the music was actually redone and expanded upon versus the original soundtrack uh, for it as well. I can definitely see that. A lot of the time we saw um, music, it felt a little bit more played out than what the animation showed would allow it normally to be for a Ghibli film. And the background characters, the dialogue seemed rather uh, copy-paste a lot of the time. And that that was not what I expected for a Ghibli film. But considering it's the first one, maybe I should have expected it more often. Uh, Yeah, I mean, like... All they really said was they extent they uh they commissioned the original uh composer uh Joe Hisayashi uh to rework and extend on the original uh com- composition uh which was a real originally supposed to be like 30 40 minutes long and it was like ended up being like an hour and a half long after that point. So I don't know and it was also had more orchestraic pieces thrown in there and everything like that. So I don't know if it was necessarily cookie cutter ish, but more so the, the original mentality behind the composition just wasn't there. You know, I mean, that's possible too. I wasn't really considering the music cookie cutter ish. I just the dialogue for the background characters. It seemed injected more than anything else because the main characters don't necessarily react to what's being said around them as much as you would expect. The, a, a typical Ghibli film is in, in my mind, incredibly detailed and incredibly um, detail oriented. If something happens, the main character typically will react. Whereas in this movie, it, it didn't quite do that. Now you don't need a reaction and you don't need every character who talks to be acknowledged. I understand that. And it, it just, it was slightly different than what I was used to. Um, right. One of the things that really shocked me beyond anything else, other than the fact that you mentioned it was a 1986 film, Mark Hamill's in this. Yeah, but this, uh, if I remember correctly, wasn't released in 1986 out here. Uh, you're probably right. 
Um, I just I'm looking at it right now on. It was re- I think it was released Google. in America in the United States uh, in the 90s, early 90s. Let me look it up. Yep, 91. Okay, 1991. So, so <laughs> uh, you've got so, James Vanderbeek. Yep. If like, you want to hear really about all the people names. that we talked about, we talked about the names of everyone, all the big name actors anyways, uh, last week on the pre-show uh, in our discussion about the movie again, patreon.com slash featured anime podcast. <laughs> if you want to hear a part of that wider conversation. Um, so yeah, but yes, uh, Mark Hamill is, does do the voice for it in here and and for uh Pazu. Which I always heard in the in the dub version as Patu. I don't know why. With a T, not a Z. Yeah, T, yeah. Yeah. But it's it's Pazu. Interesting. Yes. Okay. I mean translation maybe. Yeah, maybe. But yeah. Or or just how how they were saying it. Like uh the enunciation. Yeah. Pronunciation. Right. I don't know. Honestly though, the movie was I felt like the movie flowed really, really well. I I didn't yeah. It was a great Studio Ghibli film. I honestly felt like it kind of was in relation to uh, Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind. Really? Because, so, take, for example, the design or the artwork of the monsters, right? It kind of was reminiscent of that. The laser beam of it and the mass destruction was kind of reminiscent of that. Uh, the creatures, there's a couple of creatures that are in there. That also very reminiscent of that. That reminds me. Uh, that re- that reminds me a lot of Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind. And to be fair, Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind did come out before this. It was also an uh, original, if I remember correctly. So a lot of the character animations, a lot of the looks, and a lot of the you know, I guess probably mentality and source material in between the two was, I guess, kind of carried over. I can see that. Um, I mean, well. Yeah, as as you mentioned, um, well, I don't think you mentioned it, but Nazuka was in 1984, so two years prior. Yes. Um, yeah, I'm looking at some of the artwork. Yeah, a lot of this stuff is futuristic and alien, which would make sense. And they, if they did draw from there, I think they drew some of the better parts, personally. Um, right. I mean, but, you should remember it, too, because we also did a review on it. <laughs> I, I had to look it up. My memory is, unfortunately declining with age and yeah, your memory's always been bad. Don't tell me, don't give me the, Oh, it's because of my age. It's gotten worse. It's gotten worse. Yeah. Maybe you should, Um, uh, you know, start using that noodle a little bit more. Just saying it's filled with other things. Unfortunately, other things I shouldn't be thinking about. Um, that said, I find that it, the anime is a timepiece. It does stand up very well. Um, and it's it it's the first time I'm seeing it in its entirety. I've seen I've seen bits and pieces um over the years and I didn't realize what it was. Um but it's one of them odd, I guess you could say, feelings because I feel like the animation should be better, but the story is solid. If they were to remake it now and I would not have seen the original, I think it'd be a very good film. Yeah, I mean, regardless, I feel like it'd be still be a very good film, but I just I don't know if you can exactly like recapture the magic of the original artwork for it, though, you know, 
Like it's part of the nostalgia. Like if you try, okay, so you think that this would work in in in? You don't think it would work in a different art style or in a more updated one? No, no. Like honestly, I've being the time frame that it came out with the story and everything like that. It 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 fits right. Like I feel okay. like they would probably probably try to do too much and rely more on the graphics more so than anything like that, because his, yes. his artwork, his artwork is kind of mainstay through everything. I mean, like it's, it's always been pop. It's always been vibrant. It's always been there, but it's also had a very deep story most of the time too. Well, one of the things that got caught me off guard is I feel like, and I, I'm, I, I could be very wrong because I think it came out afterwards. So maybe it, my, my, my thought is reversed. But it feels a lot like the art style. There are certain faces that remind me of Akira. And I, I, if my memory is correct, Akira was 88? 89. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. This came, out, this came out before Akira. Okay. So this might have influenced that as far as the, the art style goes. Uh, I mean, I really, honestly, I would have to disagree with you on that. The art style in between the two really isn't there in comparison-wise for me. Personally, hmm? I just, I don't, I don't well, think that they're, that they're matched. No, they're definitely not matched, but there were certain aspects here that I felt I recognized from Akira, but I, that's mainly because I saw Akira first I did, before this, obviously. Um, but it's, it's campy, it's cartoony, but it's, it doesn't take itself too seriously as far as this movie goes. Right. And it it has a aspect of realism to it that, is in my mind iconic of Studio Ghibli. There are real world in, the, in at least in here. There are real world consequences for the actions. Um, everyone gets blown up, but nobody really dies. <laughs> but um, you kind of do feel a little bit terrified the first time you see this robot. And I, well, the robot, the robot doesn't come in till like a good halfway through the movie. Well. Yes, this is true, but the first half, I don't know. It, it's not that nothing happened, but a lot of fluff happened. It was there was a lot of setup and a lot of understanding that they were trying to get get going, like trying to set up the overall like arcing story, setting up who the big bad is, who the who the goods mm. are and everything like that so that way you can get an understanding, try to also understand the current state of the world versus uh versus like oh this is a completely fictional type of reality you have a more of a uh you know more fantastical current reality okay fantasy then yeah yeah well i mean they kind of <laughs> they solidify that in the first 10 minutes of the the show where you've got sky pirates attacking a girl and they're very uh Lupin the third esque in their movements. And you've got one of the first, if in my mind, um, images of guns in, in firing at other things. And somehow, some way you've got this, um, the best way I can describe it is it's either a grenade launcher or a flare gun. It's a big uh, gun. That's all you need to yeah, know. The, the, the big, That's boom, all you but need it, it's a single slug. Thunk, yeah. Thunk. And it's doing way more damage than miniguns, and it's right, right. <laughs> they're, they're very cartoony, and it's it's 
it's not scary as far as that aspect goes, but they're a good, what, thousand girl who turns out to be one of our main characters jumps out the window after collecting her pendant. You, you want to repeat to that? Escape. You, you broke up there. Oh. There are good, a uh, good thousand feet in the air or so. Maybe, oh, maybe a little easily, more easily, easily more than a thousand feet up in the air. They are most definitely, I mean, like they're flying, they're flying above the clouds. I mean, like, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, like if but, they're only so, a thousand feet in the air, I mean, like mountains, mountains go up a lot higher than that. So, I mean, just saying, I'd be surprised. That's fair. It, it's cloudy. So you didn't really see it in my mind. Right. Um, well, yeah, but obviously, the, because oh. you're flying in the clouds. That's the point of the clouds. Yeah, you're not going to see yeah. the mountains over there in the in the distance because of the clouds. They must be at least a thousand feet up. I would hope. Oh, yeah. Otherwise, they'll be hitting the mountains. Exactly. Um, but let me let me uh, also point out that the artwork again, because you talked about like more updated style and everything like that for it. Mm-hmm. The art style also really didn't change between this and House Moving Castle all too much. And they actually took a lot of inspiration, I feel like, from this. He he took some of the artwork style and, and things like that, and he applied it to House Moving Castle. And the reason why I say that is because House Moving Castle came out in 2005, and the planes, the single planes, so the planes in this one were the little mm-hmm. single dual people planes. They have, like, little wings on them. And how yeah, they were flying? Like uh, dragon wings, dragonfly yeah. wings. Right. Well, they used that and they looked more dragonfly esque in um, House Moving Castle. Hey, if it works, man, like, I, I <laughs> if it ain't broke, don't fix it, you know? Is it possible that in, maybe I'm wrong in my thinking, but does Studio Ghibli, to your knowledge, have dedicated artists? Miyazaki. I thought he was just a director. I didn't realize he was a, a no, drawer he, as well. No, a lot of the artwork and the story writing is his. Oh, wow. Yeah. Like, uh, so he was just, he was good out the gate. Yeah, he he's the director. He wrote the song lyrics, character design. He did the screenplay. Animators, that's what they're called. Yeah, like, like he's done a lot of work. So like the character designs and things like that, like he comes up with designs and then you have animators that go and animate it, animate the designs, bring it to life, bring to life what he wants. Yeah. No. So I guess I was asking, do you think studio Ghibli or or maybe Miyazaki personally has a team of animators that bring these to screen? Because obviously he didn't. Yeah. Dedicated ones, not, not contractors, not, uh, I freelance. Would, uh, it's, I would assume it's a mixture of them all. Okay. Well, my main thing is if the style hasn't changed all that much from 86 to 2005, you said three, five, 2005, 2005, then I would assume it's a lot of the same people drawing it or they're following his design and producing it the way he wants. Tomato, tomato. I, I think that I mean, you go to a person, they tell you, you know, like, bro, I want you to design this and you're not going to go and take creative liberties because it's not your vision. Bring, you're bringing to life. It's someone else's vision. So you're going to follow what they want. I agree with you. But in my mind, I'm able to do a certain thing. If somebody asks me to do it a certain way, I'll, I'll make the attempt as best I can, but I won't be able to do it as good as the original. So that that's just my limitation well, I'm throwing on other people. So, well, again, I mean, like. It's not like they did a carbon copy between 2005 and 1986. All right. It's been, tw- it's like 20 years, 
All right. Just just yeah. a hair shy. It's not going to be an exact carbon copy. All right. But mm-hmm. also at the exact same time, like if you have one guy that's saying this is the artwork I want you to do and here's the design and everything like that. And they're going through and you're, you have this base of like, here's how the art should look. You're not going to take creative liberties because that's not your job. You'd get fired. It's that's not, I guess what I'm trying to say. Um, it's not that they would take liberties because obviously they wouldn't accept something they didn't like. I just, in my mind, it's not easy to draw a certain style. So it, it makes sense for me that the animators wouldn't have changed all that much. So that's where my confusion, I guess, would be in. Because I'd, I'd be putting my own limitations, as I said, on other people. But it makes sense the way you say it. I just never thought of it that way. Yeah, no. See, the idea for you is you're coming at it from a different perspective of a non-artistic or non-artist perspective or non, non-industry professional perspective. You're coming at it from a like, well, I do this one job. I'm taught this way, so I'm going to do it this way, not the way I was shown, but a different way because I'm not the same person. So I'm going to put my own spin on it at the exact same time, even though I'm not really putting my own spin on it. I'm just handling it differently. I guess my my frame of reference is when I watched shows, not this one, obviously, but shows growing up, I could typically tell which studio animated it simply by the animation style. They didn't really change all that much. And yeah, but I that think that doesn't mean that they have the exact same person all yeah, but the time. It makes sense when you say it like that. But growing up and up until probably this conversation, I just assumed once you got locked in and once you perfected your craft on one thing, you didn't alter that. And when people wanted your art style, they went to you. Yeah. So, yeah, no, 100 percent. And that's why you have certain people that are highlighted for their art style. Like you're not having one person that's going Hey, Rick, I really love the art style that you did for this manga over here. I want you to animate this entire series by yourself. Oh, by the way, I need you to turn out all those episodes and artwork in uh, <laughs> the next week. Uh, can you can you knock that out, buddy? Thanks. I get it. You're, you're being a little bit specific, but yes, that's why I said the animator is plural. Um, but, you know, it makes sense the way you say it. Anyways, any hoosers stories. Yeah. Animator aside, the story is phenomenal. Um, I really liked how unique all the characters were because they, it didn't. Good. No, I was I was gonna agree with you. They are they are in the story. They all had their own personality. Well, one of the things I thought was quite funny is at the very beginning he's shown to be a lovable idiot, and he's like, "Oh yeah, you were floating down with this stone here. I'll show you." And he takes a trust fall. And somehow goes through a brick floor and lands no problem. And he goes, oh, yeah, my head. If it was any harder, they'd use it as cannonballs. And yeah. then she falls on him. Well, it's <laughs> like not he, that he, he. So so to be fair, it's not that he t- did a trust fall expecting to not, you know, with the possibility of possibly falling to his demise. He knew what was right below him. He just oh, thought yeah. it would immediately <laughs> react he thought it'd save him, and it didn't. Yeah. <laughs> it didn't. So, well, one of the other things that I also found really, really unique, too, is uh, Shita. She points out, she's like, oh, my grandmother told me to keep it a secret and never let anyone hold it. And then it's like, but but you just <laughs> you literally yeah, just you handed it, it to him. It's like, don't let anyone take it. Here you go. Not just handed it to him. Helped him attach it. 
Like he's having trouble clipping the necklace on. She goes, here, let me help you. <laughs> she does it a few times. It's like yeah. she immediately it's immediately contradictory of what she was saying. It's like, I'm going to say this and I'm going to mean this, but I'm going to immediately contradict everything and go, all right, deuces. Well, maybe there was a difference between the dub and the sub. Maybe the, the sub didn't contradict the words, didn't contradict the actions as nearly as, as grit as gratuitously. So to be fair, what I looked up in, in terms of the differences in between it, that had nothing to do with it. They took out different references for certain things, added background characters for it. And, and then uh, they also referenced, uh, removed some other random references, but had nothing to do with, uh, do with uh, the pulling of the dialogue, at least in that regard. Okay, so never mind then. Um, like, it, like one of the like the dialogue. Some of the dialogue they changed was uh, when she's on the pirate ship. When uh, she says on the pirate ship, uh, mm-hmm. they changed the dialogue from her being more of a mother figure, a paternal figure to the to the guys there, and made it more of a romance for the English version. Wait, what? Yeah, so when one of the pirates bust into the cooking cabin, they profess their love to her. Do you to the granny? No, to Sheeta. Oh, I'm like, uh, that's why I was so confused. Yeah, they in the original <laughs> version they portrayed Sheeta as a more paternal mother figure. Okay. Versus a more a maternal romance, mother figure. Yeah, versus a romantic one like they did in the English dubs. Hmm. I wonder how that would have played out. I mean, obviously not much changed. Right. Mm-hmm. Oh, they were all lovable idiots. The people you you were rooting against at the beginning of the movie, you end up going, oh, they're not that bad. They're just puppies. They're just Basically, big old yeah. puppies. Yeah, they are. They're they're like <laughs> lovable dogs. You can't help but love them. And like the very and, and like you said, yeah, in the very beginning, it's like, ah, oh, these these are gonna be the bad guys. And then like they're in town. And you have the dude, uh, Louie, with a big old beard, and he's, like, flexing to bust his muscles. And then they just start fighting against the town people. And it's like, they're not even really going out there to try and injure or hurt anyone. They're just... It's a competition. It's, it's a comp- awesome. It is. And that's all it is, which is great. It, they, yeah. Very early on, you become endeared to them. They're, they're, they're very endearing. And you don't really expect it. And it's nice. And it doesn't happen all at once. Kind of sneaks up on you. And you're like, oh, this is nice. I like that. These guys are not bad. They're actually helpful. Who's the real bad guy? Oh, that thing over there. And the sad part is, because I like Mark Hamill as an actor, as a voice actor, sorry, as a voice actor, and he's very talented when it comes to bad guys. The second I heard his voice, I was like, oh, no. Oh, no. Why you got to be a bad guy? And he turns out to be like one of the baddest guys there. Yeah. Ugh. If he's not playing a dragon or the Joker, he's he's just bad guy number one. You know, I mean, like he does what he loves and he has fun doing yeah. it. Like, so what does it matter? Right. Well, not just for me, because I like Luke Skywalker. Oh, yeah, of course. He, <laughs> so, he's like, I, It's hard for me to disassociate. Yeah. Uh and CJ points this out. One of the interesting thing about all the pirates and what they wear, they wear shapewares or, or leotards and they're all <laughs> a ver- version or shade of, of pink or, or red or maroon. And, and th- that's what they wear a majority of the time. So it's, it's, if I had glutes like that, I would too. Uh, oh, 
Definitely. Dude. 100%. If I could, if I could, if I could pull it off, I would even probably go to work like that. I would walk in the office. If I could, you, you bet I would. But no, that's one of the things about this, right? It's like you, you can't help but feel endeared. And it's just like the outfit that they wear too. In general, it's just like kind of helps add to the endearing portion of it because it's like, yeah, you know, they're they're wearing it more so for a fashion statement, I guess, than anything else. Well, no, if you if you look at it realistically, they're running everywhere. This is this is anti-chafe clothing. This is a functional yes. over fashionable. That's I don't what know, it's it quite fashionable, I feel. Although those hoods, I don't really understand them. Hey, you they don't have need red to. hoods. You don't and need to. Usually they're what? They're associated with airline pilots for what? Warmth? Uh-huh. Like old old style airline. They're all on planes as the primary mode of transportation. Flight. Where are they? In the warmth. air. They're all in the air flying around on in some, leotards. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So what more like what more do you need? Some part of their body's got to be warm. I mean like the hey, you know what? All that clothing could be insanely warm. You don't know that. True. True. I, I don't. Uh, one of the things I thought was real, real interesting is the old lady. They all called her mom, right? Uh, or captain. Or captain. She says that, and she's a, she, I'm not going to say she's a slob, but she has slob-ish qualities in eating, in, in practice. And she references that. Um, they should all find a good girl like Sheeta because she'll grow up to be just like her. And everyone oh. around is like, wait, she's going to grow up to be like you? Like, yeah. yeah, I'm a dainty flower and can't you tell? Uh, oh, Meanwhile. yeah. The, the background <laughs> discussions and everything like that is amazing. I'm a flower. I'm dainty. I'm, a, <laughs> you know, I'm not at all slobbish in any way. And at the exact same time, it is bit of drools dripping from her mouth as she rips something <laughs> off with her teeth. Well, with what few teeth she does have. It's just yeah. like, it's comical. It's it's like, I am a dainty flower. By the way, not so much. Well, uh, not only that, she's probably one of the most badass people there. Oh, yeah. Well, you just know what? She's the up. captain. So, And being the captain, you have to do have an air of authority and bat, uh, and, you know, being being awesome in general, you know? Yeah. So well, one you, of the things that I didn't understand is she was a jack of all trades to the point of uh, if it could be done, she's almost an expert at it. Not Decoding, quite. Uh, Decoding, well, yeah, but not a jack of all trades because a jack of all trades insinuates that she also repairs or do, does mm. other things and she really doesn't. She delegates that to her husband. I or, think it was her husband. To the other guy. Or her kids. We, who knows? Who knows? <laughs> all right. We don't know. We don't know who they are. Actually, you you can you have a better insight than I do typically. Um, before the second half of the movie, before like in the first hour, um, while our main characters are escaping and they jump down into a tunnel, when the when the gem actually works for them both, right? They meet an older gentleman, yeah, in the caves who says he can hear the rocks. Yes. Being that How I important. listen to the rocks, listen to rocks all the time, I will have a deep understanding and insight as to what that means. Well, that's not what I was referring to. I was referring oh. to the character itself, because you are typically more, at least nine times out of ten, you are more keen when it comes to this kind of stuff. Okay. What was the point of him? Uncle Pom? Yeah. 
to impart wisdom to help provide insight as to what her crystal actually means, as well as kind of like fill in a part of the story as to what's going on. You know, like here's the importance of the crystal. This is why, why it's so important. Here's the story behind it. It's actually really, really valuable. So now she has a better understanding of what, what it is better understanding why people are going after her, you know, in, in general, right. He's, it's like knowledge passed down through the ages and he's now sharing it with them. And then also in part, Words of warning, like, look, it's a very powerful piece of thing. Do not use it for ill. If you use it for ill, only catastrophe will follow. And and in a manner of speaking, I mean, like, he's right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what I didn't understand was the rock and mineral that's around her neck after being refined is so rare and powerful. Apparently, when the lights went out in the cave, why did all the other rocks light up in a similar fashion to her necklace? Because that was also Ethereum. So the necklace, the pendant was Ethereum. So you finally had a name as to what it was. Mm -hmm. And everything else in there was Ethereum. But as soon as you broke it where the Ethereum was, the energy and power dissipates. So one of the reasons why people wanted to go for Laputia is because that kingdom or those people that were there were actually able to harness the power and energy and mine and refine that material, which is hard to hard to refine and get, gather. And because her necklace was such a concentrated amount of it, despite it being so small, just think of like just having that little bit inside of the rocks he was picking up, just a little bit, it would dissipate. Having enough that was on there would be able to um would be able to, you know, be a concentrated matter. Okay. That makes a little bit of sense. So mm, yeah, I, I, I got nothing else going on. Other than that, man, I'm sorry. I don't <laughs> No, I, I, I was hoping you'd be able to expand, but no, that makes sense. Um, I mean, like I could try to expand on it, but I mean like cut, cut and dry. That's honestly all it is. That makes sense. Um, hmm. Was there anybody else in the, in the show that you felt was a bit out of place in the movie? I should say, no, I mean like pretty much uh, like if they were introduced, they were more so kind of like a, a story driving factor. And that's about it. Just kind of help move the plot along. Uh, one of the other characters that's in there too, you have to have, obviously when you have a big baddie, you have to have a dumb sidekick. I feel yeah. like the uh, Muska's dumb sidekick was the Colonel. I think is who it was. The general or the Colonel. I don't remember his rank. Big dude. Um, I know Muska was a colonel, or he said he was a colonel. Yeah. All right. So but, I uh, felt like Muska, Muska was the secret agent, right? Yeah. And he said, are you referring to the gentleman? He was like, and I'm going to tell you what to do. Generals need secret agents to tell what to do. I don't remember him saying that specifically, but yeah, basically. I tell yeah, you what to general. do. He, yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. That was the general. Yeah. 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 All right. Yeah. I mean, he was, I mean, like for a general, he was not that bright. No, at all. No, he was not. He's like, hey, Muska's like, hey, uh, because you sent a communication, they knew what was going on. Turns around and sends <laughs> a communication. Exactly. It's like, ha ha ha! You can't tell me what I can't do. <laughs> I will have all my communications listened to. Boo on you. Uh, yeah. Right. <laughs> 
I know better and we're caught again. Right. Should I use it as a trap? Absolutely not. Why would I bother? Exactly. So I don't know. It's just, he was not the sharpest tool in the shed. And the one thing that I do, I am appreciative of is he stays a very dull tool through the movie. (laughs) Consistency. If nothing else, he's consistent. Consistently bad at his job. Yes. Yes, that is true. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I mean, other than that, I mean, like, I honestly, I don't have a terrible bunch I could say about the movie. I mean, like, it was a great movie. Um, there's a lot of plot to it, kind of, sort of, more so halfway through the movie. You learn about the robots and, and then you also get kind of like a brief explanation as to why they left Lapusha. In the form I'm glad of a, you saw it because I, I missed it completely. It was like one song or something, and then, it was like a sentence. It's like, well, it's not even a song; it's a reference to a song. And Sheeta <laughs> says, "Oh, by the way, now we understand. We left the Pusha because because we went back to Earth because you had to put roots down and had to grow and thrive, and that's why we left." It's like really that. Tells me absolutely nothing, but thank you anyways for that useless piece of information. Yeah. I mean, like you also learned that her name is uh really long. Really long and ends with Lapusha. And then you also learn at the end that Muska's Latin name is also very, really long and also ends in Lapusha. 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 Laputa. Something. Yeah. <laughs> it ends in the traveling in the <laughs> it ends in royalty. That that just ends in royalty. Or royalty, and he has notes and all this information about everything, handwritten from I don't know who, probably from people he's kidnapped and tortured that were also Lapushas. Is one because he wanted to go back to his roots. He wanted to go back. I mean, like he wanted to soar. He wanted to fly again. (laughs) I was trying to do a play on words. I'm like, we have to leave for roots, and he's trying to get back for roots. Yeah, sure. Why not? I mean, (laughs) obviously. Oh goodness. Anyway, on a scale of uh, one to ten, um, it was fun. It was fun. It was light. It didn't really take too much of my time. It was two hours, and it felt like two different movies. I liked it. I liked the fact, well, from the first hour and the second hour, vastly different from each other. So it felt like part one and part two. That said, I'm not mad that they went together. It flowed really nicely. The visuals, while a bit dated, I think they're meant to be because of the time. It's, it is 86, after all. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but it was really well done. The voice acting was, um, I would say, above average, um, with the exception of the, the the background characters. But everything else seemed really nice and, and natural. That, that was a big one. Natural. I didn't feel like anybody was trying to over overact their voice. And, yeah, I liked it. Um, this particular movie, I'm going to have to give seven, eight. I'm going to give it an eight. I was going to say seven because I, you know, there was a few inconsistencies, but looking back on it, the inconsistencies were so minute. It didn't really matter to me that much. Okay. I'm giving it a seven. I would definitely recommend this to anybody and everybody listening or with us currently. And I would, I'd watch it again. I plan on watching it again with my wife, actually. Okay. Uh, for me, I am going to give it a seven. And 
reason why I'm giving it a seven, I mean, like, honestly, it was a good, it was a good movie. I enjoyed it. It was very nostalgia for me. I wouldn't be opposed to watching it again. It would not be something that I would at least remembering wise actively go and, and seek to, to watch again. Um, definitely recommend it, especially for those who are trying to ease into the anime. Uh, I do, I do appreciate the artwork for it, the, the music for it and everything like that. Um, if you watched Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind and then you watch this, you can see a lot of the character similarities. A lot of the voices are, are, are very well done. I mean, like it's Disney production. So anything that they bring over, they're not going to lack on. So I do appreciate the quality that they did put into it. Um, I will say though, uh, for, for some of the characters and the reason why I say that I feel like this is an alternate reality or, or maybe not an alternate reality, but like maybe in the same universe, like maybe earlier in time as Nausicaa of the Valley because of the creatures that ran on the giant ro- on the robot, those mm. little, little ferrets or whatever. They're the exact same ones that Nausicaa had. Interesting. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. The, so, so yeah, seven for me, uh, aside from, you know, all those reasons, you know, that's why I'm giving it a seven. Um, next week, we're going to be watching a series and it's one I saw in a long time ago. One Rick hasn't. And it's uh last exile. Okay. Yeah. I look forward to it. I hope so. I have <laughs> uh semi fond memories of it. I mean, we'll, we'll figure out how well I remember it. Like, at, when, once I start watching it again, um, mm. we all know how that goes. Uh, yeah. well, Thanks for hanging out with us. Very much appreciated. If you feel like we got something right, something wrong, did it too much justice, not enough justice or anything like that. Feel free to reach out to us. You can reach out to us. Uh, all our contact information and everything like that is on featured anime If you uh, want to talk with us, chat with us or anything like that, you can go to uh, our discord links. will always be available for you. We also have affiliate links in our show notes. Anything you purchase, you purchase buy all that wonderful stuff in the show notes using those links. It is very much appreciated. If you want to support us through our Patreon, here's some of that pre-show post-show content that we usually do with every episode. You can go to patreon.com slash featured anime podcast, or if you want to hang out with us live and, and poke fun at us and talk trash in our chat while we're trying to do the show, you can always do that. It's always very (laughs) welcome. Uh, twitch.tv slash featured anime podcast. And, Until next time, I'm Jack. I'm Rick, and we'll see you next time. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. 
Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. 